All right, everybody, welcome to a new edition of the Turnbuckle Post podcast. I am Johnny Podcast, joined as always by Jesse the Body. Jesse, how are we doing, my friend? Oh, not too bad. Uh, been a pretty busy week. Worked two days of overtime, got my butt kicked both days. So I'm feeling it a little bit today, but otherwise I'll be all right. Well, you got one one kick for each cheek, so at least yeah. you're good to go there. <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah, and a, even. <laughs> it's pretty, it pretty rough. I mean, honestly, for the wrestlers, listeners that don't know, we both work at Target retail company, and it felt like fall season. I mean, it just felt like it. I've never seen a summer like this where we've just been getting hammered like we are. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's. I, I'm, I'm assuming it's just more, uh, you know, people out buying stuff with with restrictions, you know, lifting and. Um, you know, more celebrations and things like that that we didn't have last year. But, yeah, it, it feels like um, we never really got a break, um, you know, because last year was, you know, just the crunch to get, you know, paper towels and toilet paper and, <laughs> and you know, Clorox to the stores. But, uh, you know, this year it's like, okay, now that we're, you know, it seems to be moving in a positive direction, you know, every I think everybody and their brother's out, you know, spending money now. So, um, and, and then, you know, and in a little bit insight into the retail business that we do, um, you know, we're looking at already starting back to school stuff at this point. Um, so it's, uh, you know, like my son's school just ended a, like less than a week ago and now we're already getting stocked up on, you know, the targets already getting stocked up with stuff that's going to go, you know, back to the stores here relatively soon. So. Well, this will be the first year, you know, that I think kids are finally going like, Starting back to school, I don't think there's going to be any e-learning, so there's probably going to be yeah. a lot of stuff being bought to prepare the kids for the um, first full-time school year that they've they've had in over a year. Yeah, well, I mean, it'll be, you know, it'll be JJ's first ever. Um, you know, last year was his kindergarten year, and um, they so my, our school district does some. Um, they do one uh, quarterly e-learning day, but I think it's just for a teacher developmental day. Instead of just giving the kids a day off, they have them do e-learning now. So uh, a little bit different, but like you said, um, you know, getting back to getting back to somewhat normal is is, is always going to be good. So, so I have a window open. So if you guys hear dogs bark, I do apologize. Um, you know, we do have our sound issues still. Sometimes Jesse sounds like he uh, had a helium balloon for some reason. Um, and I, I do apologize for that. I listen back and I hear it and I grit my teeth, but you know, we're doing the best we can with the tools we have right now. So, um, so today, uh, I, I don't know what you had for wrestling rubbish. Um, I was just going to start off with the five cause I'm sure we're going to have a lot to talk about. Um, especially given what's happened here in the last, uh, 48 hours or so. Um, so I, I don't know what else you had, uh, in mind today, but, um, I, I'm ready to get started if you are. Yeah, the uh, wrestling rubbish I was going to do was actually going to be on uh, on the Ultimate Warrior. I just watched. Um, the reason I picked that one is because I just watched this past week. It's kind of weird. A and E is doing their biographies, and they've mm-hmm. done they're doing eight of them. Yeah. So last week the subject was uh, the Ultimate Warrior. Uh-huh. Basically, WWE produced. Well, Dark Side of the Ring also did one on the Warrior. It was also released that same week, so it was kind of kind of a. Uh, interesting to see both both perspectives you know two different sides yeah i, I mean, was they were about pretty, that. they were pretty close close yeah. i mean dark side of the ring actually was a little bit more more darker in its content with the way they described it but they were pretty close to how they described uh um 
Warrior, I guess, is Jim Helwig, who's who's legally changed his name to Warrior, which you know I'll get into with with that. But I just want to more talk about him and some of the stuff that just most of the crap that just surrounded him. Okay, yeah, no, that's that's totally cool. Uh, yeah, I know his wife uh, Dana was very very upset with um, uh, Dana Warrior. For those of you that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, but but she was very upset with uh, what what was produced by uh, Dark Side of the Ring, um, and and honestly, um, you know WWE has done a massive uh, image rehabilitation for Warrior, especially since his death. Um, you know it's it's disingenuous because they you know now are looking past all the you know the queer and don't make the world work and other types. Oh of things no 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 no! I, I got to stop you on that one. Because I watched the biography, they they didn't yeah. whitewash anything. Oh, they didn't. Oh, no, okay. they did not. They bring oh, up okay. all. They bring up every everything. They 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 didn't hold back on anything. They, oh wow. Okay. Which I'm, I was afraid I'm, afraid that they would, but yeah. they didn't. They they talked about how his he was going against queers. How he talked about uh, black people being criminal. I mean, they got into all that. Oh wow. I'm I'm in, I'm impressed. I honestly thought that it would be, you know, a fluff piece. Uh, no, it was not at all. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I take that back then. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so I mean, we'll... they, they, they were, I think it was a very genuine episode where they just, you know, they, they talked about and about how he was so, you know, energetic and with the fans, but they also talked about his problems, his backstage antics that went on. They, mm-hmm. t- they talked about, you know, his, it was the 2005 at the university of Connecticut where that, you know, where he was talking about querying doesn't make the world work. And, yeah. and but then they t- kind of talked about his, wanting redemption and, and make amends, you know, before his hall of fame ceremony and his death. So they, they didn't yeah. hold back on anything. Well, I, I'm, I'm impressed by that then. Um, I do, I, you know, I, I spoke in air obviously, so I do apologize uh, for that. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad to see that they're not, you know, you can't paint, you know, these good strokes and, and leave out the stuff that, you know, that happened. You can't, you have to accept the ugly parts and, um, I'm glad to see that they're doing that. So, well, I, th- I think the point of it was that you know we're all human. We all make mistakes. We well, all yeah. say things at times that maybe we we don't necessarily comprehend that as wrong because of a, of a dark place we're at. It's it's how we come back from that, and it's how we try to make amends for that is is what matters. I think that's what the what the piece was trying to say. Okay, well, I mean, then that's that's absolutely right. Um, you know, that's one thing we uh, you know here at the Turnbuckle Post that we are very uh, pro second chance. Um, you know, when it's third and fourth and fifth, I'm going to make fun of you, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but second chance, you know, everybody has, has, is entitled to a moment to have their head up their ass. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, I think, I think you're with me on that one. Oh yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. So, um, so I was going to roll right into the five, unless you wanted to do the talk about warrior more first. Um, no, we we can go ahead and roll roll, roll into oh, the five. We can take a break okay. and then we'll come back with the uh, with the rest with our wrestling rubbish edition. Okay, all right, we'll do that. So, um, so number five. Uh, speaking of talking out of turn and uh, saying things that we have to later apologize for, John Cena on a promotional tour <laughs> for Fast Nine uh, said that Taiwan was a country, apparently enraging China. To the point where John Cena had to make a public apology. Um, I just this was about what a week ago. Um, I just wanted to to have it on here because I, I don't get how you can factually say something that's correct, but then have to go back and uh, 
apologize for it other than the fact that they're trying to sell a movie to China. Um, well, just, China, China is a big market as far as movies are concerned. I mean, yeah. you, know, you got to think of their population. But, but then again, it's like he, he was correct. Taiwan is a country. Yeah. It is a province of China that by force – China could take back it could take back, and I think that's what they were trying, trying yeah. to Taiwan back if they wanted. But the fact of it is, Taiwan yeah. is a country. Cena was not wrong in doing that, but having to make the apology, he got a lot of heat for that. Oh, I bet. And uh, I want to apologize on behalf of the Turnbuckle Post for Jesse saying Taiwan is a country. China, <laughs> we love your money. Um, <laughs> uh, and I will make no apologies for that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm only doing it tongue in cheek. Um, you know the other the other scene of news um, is you know with with WWE getting ready to go back on the road. There's been a lot of speculation that John Cena may actually return um, to the first live SmackDown taping um, and do a, a short run with the company again. Um, have you have you seen that? I heard about that. What are, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I have kind of mixed feelings on that. I mean, it's like. Okay, you left right as the pandemic was hitting. Now, as things are being done and things are being restricted, now you think you can just walk right back into the door and take your number one spot. That a part of that just does not sit well with me. Uh, it doesn't sit well with me for the fact that a lot of those guys have been there, busting their ass, working through this entire, and then to have somebody who's basically a part timer now. Don't get me wrong; I respect what Cena has done in the past. I know he's a megastar for the company. But when mm-hmm. you're picking and choosing when you want to work just because you think it's convenient or, you know, you just want to want to come back for, for a quick buck grab. And that's what I think that this is. I, it just it makes me lose just a little bit of respect for Cena. I mean, obviously, it, it's my opinion, but that's the way I, I feel on it. I just feel it's, you know, just, come on, man. You know, you should have you should have yeah. been there a little bit before, like like, like Roman has. And like, all, I, I don't want him to come in and completely squash people and get another championship run because the company thinks that that's what people want to see. No. And I, I actually, you know, there, there's a lot of what you just said that I agree with. Um, you know, the fan in me, I'm always going to be excited to see Cena. Um, I think he was a, he was very underrated as a performer. Um, and I think, you know, he'll add that pop for a live crowd, but at the same time, like you said, you know, these guys have been working their ass off and now you're just coming back to promote a movie. Um, you know, I think that there's, there's a little bit of, uh, there's going to be a little bit of acrimony there because, you know, Cena is the one that was out thumping his chest about the rock doing the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, and you know, that led to some, you know, really harsh feelings, but now, you know, I think he sees the other side of it, but he also kind of looks like a hypocrite. Um, so I, you know, I don't have, I don't want to see him push to the top of the card. I know he said that he doesn't want to break Ric Flair's record. Um, even though Flair wants him or Orton to do it. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't, I, hopefully they don't put him in a, in a championship feud, but I, I would like to see him work with Roman again. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the fire. Well, well that's the proposed one. main event is him against Roman at SummerSlam, which I'm hoping that he does do the thing and puts Roman over. I mean, if he was yeah. to lose to Roman at SummerSlam, that'd be a huge, that'd be a huge boost for Roman, even more than what he's already getting. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I think I think it would be, you know, the next, you know, to have John Cena, quote unquote, acknowledge him, um, you know, I think would be, you know, the next the next big thing for that. And um, well, we'll see what happens with it. I'm, I'm excited to, to, to see, you know, what happens with him coming back, possibly. Um, so uh, so that's that's about uh, we'll just call that three and four <laughs> or I'm sorry, 
four and five. Um, yeah, I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I like seeing. I did. So, yeah. There's a lot of things that Cena done as good as a performer, and there's a lot of things that he doesn't. He's been involved in a lot of wrestling rubbish as well. But oh, absolutely. You know, I, I mean, and having him come back to face Roman for the title wouldn't be a bad thing. It's if he won the title that I would mm-hmm. have an issue with. Because, like I said, you know, these guys have been been busting their hump, and he's been basically just sitting on the sideline. Fast Nine's been done since last year. So what's he been doing all this yeah. time? Yeah, other than. Other than working, uh, and I, I assume the Suicide Squad's been done just as long. Um, I know he's that's coming out this year as well. So um, it, it'll it'll be interesting to see. And, and like you said, uh, you know what what you know. I mean, he's got the money that he can probably just sit at home and do nothing. But you know, it, it probably would have helped draw an audience to to a you know no crowd WWE product uh, to have John Cena there. So, uh, you know, I think I think he did miss out on a chance to be a, a returning hero. And now he's just going to be look, made to look like, a you know, a corporate shill. Um, and that's that's unfortunate. Um, maybe just a poor decision on his part. So. Um, so we'll move on. Uh, number three. Uh, so there are rumors and innuendo that WWE um, is working to create a talent exchange program. With either I've seen uh, MLW and I've also seen New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, I there's there's all kinds of rumor and innuendo about it. I know AEW has done some talent exchange with them as well. Uh, Impact as well has had uh, you know Finn Juice, the tag team champions, came over. Um, I just wanted to get what your thoughts were on that. Uh, and obviously, it's looking like WWE's. A little more uh, willing to play friendly with uh, with other organizations now. Well, see, I'm wondering if this has something to do with, and we, which we'll get into when we talk about the latest releases of a of a company restructuring. Maybe this is we're starting to see the seeds of um, possible sale down the line of why they're of why they're working with these of why they're willing to now work with other companies. It just seems everything just seems to be too coincidental for me. Yeah, and that's that'll be number one. Um, just to give a little bit of a spoiler, um, we'll, we'll talk about the most recent round of releases and and really what that looks like. But uh, but yeah, um, yeah, and I think I think part of it too is you know New Japan's in a in a position right now where you know they they were hot um, and then you know they were they were starting to come back and then they had this devastating injury to Osprey um, and I think they feel like they need something to um, boost their product. And uh, I think, you know, having a talent exchange with, with the biggest company in the world is, is not the wrong way to go. Um, but I, I, I'm excited. I'm interested to see what comes out of it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's a wait. It's a wait and see approach. But, yeah. you know, I, I'd like to see them work with other talent, you know, other companies, too. But uh, I guess this is, just, this is a start. I mean, you know, you can't yeah. really say much more than that. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Um, so. Uh, number two, um, I ordered Double or Nothing this last weekend, and um, I, I'm not going to really get into a full match-by-match breakdown, but uh, I just had a few thoughts I wanted to share. Um, the first one being, um, you know, this it was a huge night for guys that had never uh, gone through WWE's doors. Um, Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, the son of the late uh, actor Luke Perry, uh, he won the Casino Battle Royale and had a big moment with the fans. Uh, I videotaped it and put it on our Facebook page. Um, and then Sammy Guevara, uh, who is a member of the Inner Circle, got the big the big victory in the uh, Stadium Stampede match. 
and evidently I was just reading, um, he was the one that, uh, so the stadium stampede starts over in Jacksonville's football stadium. Um, they fought their way into the live crowd at the amphitheater and fought their way down to the ring and had to end in the ring. Um, so they could be in front of the live fans. I guess that was Sammy Guevara's idea. Um, so, so a big night for those guys. Um, and, and then, uh, the other, the other really big high point for me was, uh, a 62 year old man that, uh, honestly, I, I didn't think Sting had any of that in him. And, uh, it was, it was incredible. Um, uh, Scorpio, uh, if you don't know, Sting and Darby Allen teamed up to face Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. Scorpio Sky gave him a suplex on the ramp. Sting popped right back up and did his, uh, you know, chest bumping gorilla press uh, taunt, and uh, he did a crossbody off of the off of the stage onto a couple guys, and it was they worked it in a safe manner, um, and and that was one thing I will say is uh, overall, you know, there was no chair shots to the head, there was no uh, you know, on the show improper, even in the stadium stampede match, um, and then uh, obviously the last thing that. I feel like should have been the main event of the show was uh, Dr. Britt Baker uh, defeating uh, Hikaru Shida after Shida had carried the women's title for a year. Uh, Britt Baker has caught fire and, um, you know, she wants, you know, DMD is becoming the the new 316 in, in a lot of people's minds. Um, and uh, I think, uh, I think she should have closed out the show winning that title. But, uh, but that, that's my, that's my overall thoughts on that. And that's, that's all I really wanted to get in about it. Jesse, did you have anything you wanted to add? No, uh, I mean, I am happy for, for Britt Baker. I know it's, you know, she's really like pushed her way to the top and, and, mm-hmm. um, proven herself. I know she had that gory match, uh, back a couple of months ago. I mean, she proved that she's tough mm-hmm. and that she can take just about anything. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, I was happy to see that for her. I know that there's a, there's an Instagram thing on there where Adam Cole's with her posing with the, with the title. And I know that he's like super proud of her. So yeah, I just, I just wish she would have stayed in WWE and if they'd used her better in NXT, how far she could have gone there. I think Mm -hmm. she would have been women's champion for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and and then that's the thing. I mean, it's not, you know, I'm not going to get into, you know, uh, you know, this person, Oh, they couldn't make it in WWE or, Oh, this person, you know, you know, AEW is going to use them so much better. Like, you know, it's just an opportunity and, you know, these people, they're either going to take it and run with it or they're going to, you know, fail. And, um, you know, I'm glad to see that she's one that, you know, initially her character didn't get over, um, her character and especially in AEW when it was introduced was rejected by the fans. Um, and she turned that and she tweaked it and she made a, a fantastic heel character that she got a bigger reaction from the crowd than Sheeta did. And Sheeta was supposed to be the face. Um, so, I mean, it's all on the talent, um, you know, companies have their, um, blocks in place where, you know, there, there's certain things that they won't let people try, but at the same time, you know, it's all on the talent to make themselves over and make themselves successful. Exactly. It's, it's the talent's job to believe you got to make the fans believe it. If you have a character, you got to make the fans believe that you are that character and you believe in that character. And she yeah. went out there as, as a dentist because that's what she truly is. And she yeah. molded that and, it's basically, and she basically just turned the volume up on it. And I think that's why yeah. the fans have responded to it the way that they have. That's how the best characters get over. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I do I do wish we had they that, you know, from what we know about the WWE creative process, I wish that they had a little bit more of the ability to make those tweaks. Um, it seems like they're given, 
you're given this and you can throw as many ideas as you want at it, but eventually, you know, you're just going to do what we told you to. And I think there needs to be a little bit of a give and take with that. Um, And that's not a, that's not a criticism of WWE. It's just a observation on their creative process. Yeah. They need to be, needs to be like that. Like they, like it used to be, let the, let the talent, choose yeah. the character they, they want to be that they're going to know how best to utilize it if you give them something that that they're not comfortable with or they have no idea how to tap into it it's not going to work it's going to fail miserably you know it's no. like like with steve austin back back in the days of the attitude era all these guys were characters were an extension of themselves they weren't given anything by the company they and that's yeah. why they were so successful and that's what made the attitude era so successful it wasn't it wasn't so much the raunchiness or or the or the um Oh, that just the, pushing the envelope, yeah. or, or 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 the or the wrestling itself. It was the fact that yeah. these characters were characters that you believed in because they believed in it, and it, and it got you behind them no matter what they did. And that's what's I think missing a lot from the product today, especially in WWE. Yeah, I I agree a hundred percent on that. Um, you know, I can't imagine, you know, if if Mark Calloway was brought into WWE and he he had to be the Eggman, and they're yeah. like, and, yeah, I mean, you know, okay, how do I be an Eggman? Well, you just do it, pal. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like, I mean, you gotta you gotta give people something that they can understand, something they can sink their teeth into, and really, you know, make their own character. And I think that's something that's been lost. And you know, and and as I said last week, you know, this isn't we're never going to be a AEW versus WWE show. Like that's no. not it. We're not doing that. I don't I don't care to debate that unless there's something that really needs to be debated. Right. But, exactly. But. Um, you know, I think sometimes that scale tips too far in AEW and they give them too much free reign and they need a creative control in there to go, let's not do that. Right. (laughs) Whereas in WWE, it's like, you know, they're going to pump the brakes the entire way. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's two approaches to, to the same business. And, you know, I'm not saying one is better than the other. I'm just saying, you know, they could both learn a little bit from each other. Yeah. They could both get a half of me. Like you said, AEW gives a little bit too much free reign. WWE doesn't give enough exactly they don't they don't have that neither of them have that happy medium which it would be easy to get to it's just the fact that they need to get to it (laughs) you know yeah no no absolutely um you know and that's that's it's it's about growing and it's about changing as as the business evolves and um you know it's it's frustrating as a fan um, just to see, you know, things fizzle out or, you know, they lose steam on things. But, uh, you know, it, it's the creative process is going to always be frustrating for, for people like us that enjoy this, that live this, that breathe this. Um, and, um, you know, it's it's going to be frustrating. It's like reading a comic book or watching a movie. You know, there's things that they're going to do that are going to drive us nuts. And, uh, you know, we just got to we got to learn to find something else that entertains us at that point, I guess. But right. <laughs> um, so before we go to number one, um, I did want to make an, one announcement real quick. Uh, so in the tradition of uh, summer blockbusters, we are going to have a uh, post credit tease today for our next episode. We're not going to talk any more about it. Just letting everybody know at the end of today's episode, after the game over beep, you'll hear uh, a teaser for what our next episode will be. So um, now moving on to number one, uh, yesterday, I'm sorry, two days ago, WWE released five more superstars, um, including Braun Strowman, Aleister Black, Lana, uh, Santana Garrett, 
and uh, Ruby Riot and Murphy. So actually, six six superstars. Excuse me. So um, so obviously, uh, you know, Braun and Alistair are the really big names on there. Not no no offense to any of the other ones. Everybody knows I love Murphy, um, but uh, but Braun was a you know million dollar a year uh, contract, and um, I've, apparently they just didn't have a spot for him anymore. And um, Alistair Black, obviously, like you you mentioned to me in our private conversation, you know, he just re-debuted, uh, just repackaged, just re-debuted to attack Big E. And now, you know, Big E's left with nothing. And Alistair Black is Tommy End on the independent scene again. Yeah, that I mean, that and and, and here we go with the conversation where when, as soon as those releases happen, I, I, I saw it on Facebook where I get most of the wrestling news. And I just had to go to the comments section because I'm a glutton for punishment and I'm an idiot. <laughs> but I just went to I went to the comments section to see what some people were saying. Well, here comes more AEW. But I'm like, God, I'm like, I just want to comment and say, not everybody that gets released is going to go to AEW. AEW no. is not going to have a spot for everyone. There's talent no. that they have that they don't even use because they only have a two hour a week pro- program. Now I know that they're getting ready to debut another program. I think after the summer, I want to yeah. say, but yeah, it's like they don't have. Uh, room on the roster for everybody they're going to pick and choose who they want and there are other companies for these guys to go to there's impact there's new japan there's there's ring of honor it's like not everybody's going to go to AEW. that's what frustrates me especially about wrestling fans online man it's like oh wwe is just going down there aew is going to take over and wwe is going to go out of business i'm like you guys are idiots you're making these assumptions that wwe wwe is not going out of business i mean no, yeah, it sucks that these talents got released, and I'm, I want to talk individually about some of them. But then it's like they weren't really using them, so why yeah. keep them on the roster? Yeah, and I mean, I think that's fair. I think that's a point that we brought up before: is if you don't have a plan for them, why why are they on your roster? Yeah, uh, you know, they're they can go work anywhere. Like you said, I mean, there's there's all kinds of places that that someone can work that you know, and they're you know they'd be happy to have them. I mean, I. I honestly, I see Braun going to Impact Wrestling. Uh, just off the top of my head, I know he's got he's friends with the Good Brothers. Um, I just I think that's a good fit for him, as he would be a huge deal there. Um, and then uh, Black, you know, he's another one. I could see him going anywhere. Um, you know, I think he could be very successful in Japan. I think you know he would be a good addition to AEW. But I think they're more focused on. You know, the guys like I was talking about with the review, you know, the the Guevara's, the Jungle Boys, the guys that, you know, have been there this whole time that are just now getting to break through. Um, you know, they brought in Leo Rush for the uh, Casino Battle Royale, but I mean, they didn't make a big deal about it. And it wasn't, you know, I think they're I think they're finally in that transition phase where they're not really looking to acquire new talent. They want to push the people that they have. And we, and, which is uh, what they should do. I mean, grab, yeah. grab the talent that you think that would be most beneficial but also continue yeah. to push your current talent that you have that does take up your tv time i mean yeah. you're not gonna have don't grab these guys just because oh well they're on the free market we gotta grab them and then yeah. they sit in your locker room on the bench with nothing to do it's like okay right. they were in no better position than they were when they were in wwe no no and i agree and and, and you know and, and to further that point i think i think we as fans have come become a, um, accustomed to seeing these companies go out of business but you cannot pick two worst managed companies than WCW and ECW. Um, you know, just financially, you know, Paul Heyman was bouncing checks all over the place, not paying people. 
um, you know, not taking care of the people that took care of him. I mean, I think the Dudley boys asked for a dollar, a dollar raise, and he wouldn't give it to them. And that's when they went to WWE. Um, you know, WCW was running millions of dollars in debt um, towards its end, the end of its company, uh, at, at the end of its livelihood as a company. So we're not going to see that again. I don't, I mean, I don't think because AEW has a budget. They want to finish the year in the black. So that means make a profit. It has to be profitable for them to continue to do what they're doing. WWE has investors that, that, that they are responsible for. And that's kind of, we'll get into that in a minute, but, but that's kind of the reason that I think we're seeing a lot of these moves uh, to cut payroll. Um, you know, in, in New Japan, all these places are, are working on a budget. They're not just going out and buying whatever the hell they want and, you know, assuming that the money's going to be there. And I think, I think that's, that's a different animal than what we saw from out of WCW and ECW. That's kind of a funny story about ECW, about some of the stuff Paul Heyman did. Jericho told a story once about Heyman was trying to book a flight for some of his wrestlers, and he was trying to book a flight for Ron Simmons. And I think he said his name was uh, Julian Schwartz or something like that to get Ron Simmons on this plane. And Ron's like, Paul, he said, do I look white and Jewish to you? He goes, there's something I can work with here. Damn, you know? Like, <laughs> that's just kind of some of the stuff Paul would do. You know you know the guy. The guy produced ECW on a shoestring budget, and uh, yeah. I mean, he shot. You know, the original ECW was shot. I think he shot promos in his uh, basement at his mom's house, and like, uh, I mean, there was there was a lot of creative and just uh, genius things that he did. I mean, he he's like a Kevin Smith of wrestling. You know, uh, you know, financing everything himself and 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 trying to make it work, uh, but but at the same time, he was he was not a good businessman. Um, no, not at all. And and I think you know, I think as wrestling fans, we've come accustomed to oh, they're going to put X X is going to put Y out of business. No, not really. I mean, not unless Y is completely mismanaged and you know, millions and millions of dollars in debt every year. Uh, it's it's not going to happen. Um, so I think I think people are are living in the past and and not really understanding that that the nature of the business has changed. So, yeah, I mean, to go through some of these guys that were released, like Braun Strowman, I was surprised at, honestly. He just had a great main event match at WrestleMania Backlash. And mm-hmm. I know that he said that he won't wrestle anywhere else but for WWE. He has said that in the past. Now, whether oh. he he's honors that or not and, and does go, like you said, to Impact or somewhere else, I don't know. If, I'm sure if the money's good enough, you know, it could uh, could definitely change your mind. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was a big surprise to me. Aleister Black, like, he just got repackaged, and I know that they there was rumors that his wife was on her way back to the company. Mm-hmm. So to see him get released, but I could see him fitting in with New Japan because of his stiff the way he works. He he wrestles stiff, and some of his shots look stiff, and that's the way they wrestle Which, over in Japan. So I can see yeah. him fitting well in there. Um, Ruby I don't wanna... Riot was was one that. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was. I don't want to step over you, but uh, did you see what Booker T had said about uh, Alistair Black? Uh, no. I, I love Booker, but he said some of the stupidest things I've ever heard. Um, hang on. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Um, uh, he, he was talking about how he was packaged and like it, it, it was really bad. Hang on a second. Let me see if I can find exactly what he said on his podcast. But and I, I love Booker T. Don't don't get me wrong on that. Um, you know, he's one of the best best of all time. But uh, 
Um, okay, so he said, you can't give a guy an intro, give him a black gimmick, a dark robe, and go out there and become a star, Booker said. You know, you put him on that thing, mimics Aleister Black's entrance. The thing is, it did look cool, but understand, you can't just you just can't get that gimmick and think because of smoke and mirrors, you're going to go out there and get over. Aleister Black is a good worker, but I'm looking for a guy that's talent. I'm looking for a guy that's going to go out and do things totally different than anyone else on the roster, he continued. Aleister Black had his MMA get up, his kung fu, karate, black mask for a finisher. I get it. But for me, Aleister Black was a guy that didn't set himself apart from the rest of the guys in the locker room. So that was that was Booker T's quote. Well, you want to talk about how a guy can't can't make it on a darkness character? I mean, how does he think Undertaker got thirty years? Yeah, you know what I mean. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think Booker was trying to smooth things over to uh, why Aleister was elite. I think he's trying to be a, a company man in that respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if he really believed a lot of what he was saying, but yeah, I just I, I I don't know. There's probably more to that than what than what we're yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I, I just I feel like it's kind of tone deaf. Like I mean, you know, Alistair Black had a fantastic run in NXT. Oh yeah, um, great matches. I mean, all, yeah. I, I look I like watching him wrestle in NXT, and it and it just shows maybe. A lot, a lot of these guys don't watch NXT. I mean, it's, you yeah. know, you, that's where your talent is coming from. Give them a chance to do what they did in NXT on on Raw or SmackDown. They'll they'll get over. I mean, yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I mean, he was. I would have loved to see him go back to NXT and feud with Karen Cross or with um, Finn Balor. I mean, you know, you got those similarly dark characters. Uh-huh. I think it would have been. I think it would have been great. But you know, instead they. You know, brought him up to the main roster. They did the door knocking thing, you know, when he first came out. And then, you know, now he was repackaged with the dark father. And, you know, it, it's it's like they only put like a half-assed effort into it and then it, are wondering why it didn't succeed. Um, and, I mean, you, you can go back and watch, you know, that street fight he had with Adam Cole was probably one of the most, like, devastating, like, physical matches I've ever seen that didn't have, like, bloodshed in it. Yeah. Um, and and it's it's just unfortunate that they they didn't give him the time of day on the main or not the main roster but on you know on SmackDown or Raw. Yeah, they 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 really didn't let him be him. I mean, they just I don't know. They turned him heel suddenly against Kevin Owens, kept him off TV for over a year, and then bring him back and then release him. I mean, it just didn't. Yeah. Like I said, him and Braun were. There's another big one too. Who I'll get to. Santana Garrett wasn't much of a. She made sporadic appearances on NXT, but she really wasn't getting yeah. over she was just kind of nothing to her murphy great talent great wrestling ability but as far as his character goes i mean he he really didn't have any charisma no I mean, he had great matches don't get me wrong but his charisma yeah. just wasn't there and i don't know if it was the fault of him or wwe but it's like you said whether you get 15 seconds on a microphone or a minute on them you have you have that time to yourself to make yourself get over and yeah. I don't feel he, he ever really utilized that time the way that he should have. Yeah, I, I absolutely, uh, I think that's really astute. Um, you know, I, I like I said, I, I like Murphy a lot. I think they, they came to him and uh, offered to repackage him with um, his tag team partner from NXT, who, whose name I'm blanking on right now. Oh, uh, it was uh, Wes, um, Ty- Wesley Blake. Wesley Blake. Yeah, Wesley Blake and Murphy. Out. That's what it yep. was. Yeah, and they both turned it down. Um, so, you know, Blake was released earlier in the year and now, now Murphy's following suit. 
Um, you know, and this is another guy I think, you know, if he's to go to, you know, especially like a Ring of Honor or uh, a New Japan, really where they're really more focused on the in-ring work, I think he's going to be a big deal um, because he's, like you said, amazing in-ring talent. Um, his matches with Roman Reigns were fantastic. His run as a cruiserweight champion, also fantastic. Uh, just like you said, personality of a, of a stiff board, but uh, but just guy can go flat out. And, um, you know, I, I hope to see more from him and, you know, maybe maybe he'll be another one of these success stories and ends up back in WWE later on in his career. Yeah, and then, and then Ruby Riot was one that really surprised me. I, I thought this, man, I thought she had such potential, and I thought really they should have made her a world champion at some point. She had a unique character. Mm-hmm. Uh, she she just did, and I thought she she was a, she's a good wrestler. She has a unique look, and you know she I thought she was getting somewhere with Liv Morgan and their tag team, and then I guess they just figured they were they just didn't have anything for her. But I think she would. I think I think she'd be somebody that would really get over well well in impact. I think she could have a a pretty good feud with the women's champion over there, uh, Diana Perrazzo. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, and, and the and the thing about Ruby um, that you know I've seen more coming out these last couple of days is she was a really big locker room person. Um, you know, it's it, it, a lot of people were heartbroken to see her release that they weren't going to be able to travel the roads with her anymore. And that wasn't just Liv, um, who's her friend, but, you know, um, uh, Bailey had posted some things about her. Um, I, I can't remember who else off the top of my head, but there was a lot of Instagram tributes to, you know, to this person, you know, to Ruby Riot. Obviously, she's not dead or anything, but, but you know, not being able to see them and not be able to travel the roads with them is just one less person to work with. And, um, you know, she was very talented. She's from, uh, I think she's got her start here in Indiana um, as Heidi Lovelace. Um, so yeah, she's I, from I, Lafayette. Yeah. So, uh, I, you know, I'm excited to see, you know, what she can do. And hopefully, I, I think she's another one that she'll end up back in, in, on the big show. Um, not the literal big show, but, you know, <laughs> the WWE before, you know, before the end of her career, I think she'll be back. But, um, you know, maybe it's just, maybe just wasn't the right, right time in the right place for her. And that's what, that's what a lot of people got to realize. I mean, just because these talents get released doesn't mean that they can't come back. I mean, yeah. a lot of people do. They, they go somewhere else. They they maybe sharpen up a little bit, and then they come back and, and get even yeah. more over than they than they were before. It's just not the right fit for them at the time. You, I mean, I'm not trying to defend WWE, but they try to – I mean, it's people's lives. But then again, it's like, okay, there are options for them now. It's yeah. not like it used to be when WCW went out of business and there was nowhere else to go. So, uh, you know, it's, it's an opportunity for them to maybe sharpen up and, or maybe they'll, they'll retire from wrestling, period. I mean, we don't know. Yeah. I just I try to look at the positive of it, of um, yeah. these ta- that, that these talents can can get something e- even better for them down the line. Yeah. And I think I think I mean, and that's that's, that's the type of show we're trying to cultivate, too. And, and you know, this this isn't the end of the road. Um, you know, we've seen Jinder Mahal get released. We saw Drew McIntyre as part of 3MB playing the air guitar before he was released. And he came back as, you know, a dominant world champion and, and the guy that carried the, uh, you know, the, the company through the darkest time that they've probably ever seen. Bobby um, Lashley was, is another one who yeah, exactly. came I back mean, and now he, he's a dominant world champion. I mean, there's, yeah. there, there, there is, there, there's always, always, a, you know, um, there's always, reason there you know uh, yeah that's what i'm looking for um 
I don't, I don't know. But, but anyway, you know, there's, 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 there's always a light to, to come back to. And, yeah. and it doesn't well, mean that door is closed forever. From what I yeah. understand, Vince some, told some of these talents that if they wanted to be released, they could with no repercussions. So oh, okay. some of them may have asked for their release, and they don't have that ninety-day no-compete clause where, where they they could probably go anywhere else at any time. Yeah, and and from what I read, uh, I think a lot of uh, what Ron Ron Stoneman's release, especially, was you know he's he's okay with keeping these mid-card people for two hundred fifty thousand dollars and pay them to do nothing, but because uh, apparently because they brought in Omas and they brought in Commander Aziz, you know these other guys that are you know bigger than Braun. Um, you know, they didn't feel like they had a place for him anymore, um, which I still think is unfortunate because the guy improved, you know, drastically from his debut to, you know, obviously, like you said, you know, he was in a great, great match with uh, Lashley and Drew McIntyre here just, you know, less than a month ago. Um, so it's, it's but I will say that his world title title run was kind of a dud. It was. I mean, he, he, yeah, he beat Goldberg. And then after that, it was like, there was really nobody else for him to work. I mean, he, he had a horrible program with Bray Wyatt. It didn't do any favors for either one of them. No. So when Roman Reigns came back and took the title, it was the right. And Roman has just elevated that. Yeah. I mean, just exponentially than, than what it was. No, I mean he he makes Friday Night SmackDown must see. Um, you know, there's there's other great stuff on that show. I'm not trying to. I'm not going to downplay any any talent that's on that show, but but. You know, Roman. What Roman does is 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 what is what makes that show the main event of the week. Um, yeah, and, you know, and that's what you wanted. You're right. You want your world champion to be the reason people yeah. tune in. Absolutely. Okay, here's our world champion. Here's what he's doing, and then we got this other stuff that you can see too that that might yeah. excite you. But we want our world champion to be the main draw. Yeah, and that's. I mean, and that was you know Attitude Era 101. Um, you know, oh, I got to watch Raw to see what Austin does this week. Yeah, and then and then you you throw all this other stuff at people, and then they're hooked. So that's that's what's working for SmackDown right now is that okay I, I got to see what Roman's doing oh, oh Cesaro's doing some cool shit too like you know it's it, it that's that's the way to build a successful show and that's the way to keep people engaged and that's why it's been so successful on Fox um, and you know it's it it make like I said it makes it must see TV it's the main event because Roman's in it and um, you know. And as far as you were talking about, you know, with, with these talent, uh, you know, to paraphrase from Paul McCartney, you know, it, it's a long and winding road. Um, you know, life takes us in lots of weird directions. And, and um, you know, I think, you know, like I said, you know, these guys are more than more than capable of going out and being successful, you know, on their own merits and then coming back and, you know, being successful under the WWE banner. Um, you know, it's it's all about, you know what they take from this, you know, it can be a, can be a negative or it can be a learning experience. And uh, I hope, I hope to see mo- most of them do it as a learning experience and, you know, grow and then come back even better and more ready to kick ass. So uh, we didn't talk about Lana, but uh, you know, uh, to be honest, uh, she's improved uh, quite a bit um, in the ring, I think. Um, but they got a cheaper one in, in uh, Eve Marie. And so I think she became expendable. Um, that's just my two cents on it, but I don't know what well, your I'm thoughts sure she, I'm sure Lana's kind of, I mean, a little happy about it. I, I have no doubt she's going to join Miro and AEW. Yeah. I mean, I have no doubts about that at all, that that's going to be where, where she ends up. I mean, she's going to end up where her husband is, obviously. So yeah. I, I really don't have any uh, worries about her. She I, She's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, she'll land on her feet. I think I could see, you know, there's a ready-made program with her 
and uh, Miro versus uh, Kip and his wife, Penelope Ford, um, you know, being as Miro was brought in as Kip's best man and then broke his broke his arm in a door. Um, I think when he gets back and if, you know, once Lana's out of her 90 days, I think we'll see Miro and CJ Perry versus uh, uh, Kip and Penelope. So, um, like I said, she'll land on her feet um, and she's been, you know, pursuing acting as well. So. Uh, a lot of options there and she's, you know, popular on the social media. So I think she'll do great. Um, you know, might not be wrestling per se, but I, she'll find a place to be successful. Oh yeah. I have no doubts about that. So, um, and this is, you know, in, in our private conversation, we talked about, you know, this, this is starting to look like a corporate realignment. Um, you know, we've seen, you know, they're, they're dropping their liabilities like, uh, Velveteen dream. Um, you know, who had, you know, ongoing legal trouble, not legal troubles, but accusations and things. And we've talked about it. It seems like, you know, maybe Dream was just in the wrong place at the wrong time and, and said the wrong, and said things that he probably shouldn't have. Um, but, and then, you know, obviously, you know, these contracts, they're, they're dropping these contracts. It, it looks as if, and, and the, there's been rumor and innuendo that they might be approaching putting the company up for sale. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are about that, but, uh, See, but that's I'm wondering kinda... what, what that looks like, I guess, depending on who the buyer would be, because I'm yeah. assuming that means Vince McMahon would no longer be in charge. I mean, it would be out of the McMahon's hands at yeah. that point, and it would go to whoever the new owners would be. So I'm wondering what that looks like for WWE. Would it be a complete change from what we've been seeing? Would they be? I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's interesting to think about and scary at the same time because you just don't know it's the unknown of what a company that would buy WWE would do with it. Yeah. And it's, it, it's, it's, I don't want to say unprecedented. Um, I was just looking this up while we were talking, uh, 2016, uh, the Furtado brothers, or I don't know how to say their name for real, but they sold the UFC to Endeavor, uh, an investment group for $4 billion. Um, so it's not unprecedented to see, you know, an entire product sold like this. Um, it'll probably be to an investment group. And I mean, and, and I think it's probably because the company's in such good shape. They've got, you know, sponsors, uh, they've got, you know, toy deals with Mattel. They've got, you know, network television, you know, with Fox, with the Fox deal, they've got, you know, Peacock has purchased their, um, you know, WWE network. Um, so they're not in charge of that anymore. Um, I think, you know, maybe this is, you know, 70 year old Vince McMahon cashing out. Um, you know, I, I, I'd be a little bit hesitant about it myself just because, you know, we're, we're as people cautious about new things, but I mean, it, it could be a whole new direction and a whole new start for WWE. And what does that mean for his daughter and Triple H who have went through such lengths to try to make things better, especially in NXT, would they be out, out then NXT gets completely yeah. restructured and, and it's different looking from what we've seen. I mean, I just, yeah. Well, and, and honestly, yeah. you know, this is just, it's all speculation and innuendo. And, and if I were a betting man, I think, you know, the Vince McMahon dies and the company goes to, you know, they get split between Stephanie and Shane and, um, you know, and Triple H, obviously. Um, but, um, you know, it's just something to think about, something to talk about. And, and you know, reading the, the tea leaves as you can, um, if you understanding a little bit about business uh you know this is kind of what it looks like when someone's getting ready to put something up for sale 
But um, like I said, it doesn't necessarily mean anything, doesn't necessarily guarantee anything. And, and like I said, if I was a betting man, I would say 99% chance the, the WWE is not sold to anybody. Um, so, but that, but it's just something to speculate and something to talk about. So, well, they're talking about too. I mean, there's, uh, from what I'm, from what I'm reading, like this isn't the end of the talents being cut. There's supposed to be more cuts coming, which, and, and that's an ongoing process. I mean, you're never going to keep everybody that, that yeah. you bring in. There's some going to be some talents. You, obviously they're ones that are getting TV time, main event time aren't going anywhere. Right. But then again, it's like, okay, you're going to keep the same people doing the same fuse. People are going to get burnt out on it. So yep. you kind of need some new people to, but it, it could be to make way for the new talent they got coming in. Like from what I read, NXT has one of the biggest classes getting ready to come through their doors as mm-hmm. far as men and women are concerned. So, you know, they have to make room for that, for that new talent where they can bring some of the people they have in NXT now to raw or SmackDown to start new feuds and then have these new people start. It's an ever revolving door. And that's what, what people need to remember. Yeah. And I think, you know, um, I think, and there's, there's been a lot of uh, thought about this, but I think, you know, after the attitude era and after, you know, after the rock and wrestling era, I think WWE has transitioned to more. Um, they want the company to be the, the, the showcase. Um, they don't want anybody to be bigger than the company. So to continue to turn over the roster like this um, means that they're not going to give anybody the chance to do that. Um, and that might be by design. That might just be by coincidence. Um, but that's that's another thing to think about. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I'd argue Roman's pretty big right now, but, but that's through my limited scope of being a wrestling fan and enjoying what he's doing. But... Um, but yes, that's that's kind of where what my thoughts are on it. Um, do you have anything else you want to add, Jesse, or you want to take a break and get ready to do the uh, wrestling rubbish? Um, yeah, I mean that's that's all I had to add on it. So, okay, all right, buddy. Well, we'll take a quick break. Uh, we just did fifty minutes on just the five, so uh, this might be a longer episode, folks. But uh, we'll take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back with wrestling rubbish. All right, we're back from our break. Uh, yes, that was very much needed. Uh, <laughs> needed to get another drink and go to the restroom. So I'm glad I could tell our listeners about that. And uh, so, <laughs> so Jesse's going to take it over from here, folks. Uh, I'll I'll chip in where I can, and then um, uh, you know this is Jesse's part of the show. So take it away, buddy. All right. So we're going to do another edition of the wrestling rubbish. Uh, this is one. This one got inspired to me from as I talked about when we're talking about the five um, of the ultimate warrior, um, two episodes were done on him last week. One, one of them was the A&E uh, biography. And uh, the other one was the uh, dark side of the ring. Interesting about those two shows, <laughs> as similar as they were and the uh, biography one, they talked about his first wife, but she was never interviewed. They only interviewed Dana warrior throughout that entire and one the dark side of the ring one. They interviewed his first wife. Her name was Sherry. They did not talk to Dana Warrior at all. So you got two different perspectives from these women that he were he was married to on two different shows, and neither one of them appeared on on the other show. Wow, I, I just thought that was interesting. That is weird. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Ultimate Warrior, I, I'm going to admit he was one of my favorites growing up. I just loved the way he, the energy that he had running to the ring. I mean, when you'd hear that. You'd hear that music, that dun 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 dun, dun and he'd run down to the ring and he'd 
go up onto the apron, start shaking the ropes. I mean, he just had an energy that was off the charts. And then he started wrestling. Uh, his matches <laughs> were nothing to write. It was. It wasn't about the matches with the Warrior. It was the presentation of the character. I mean, as, when you saw him run to that ring, it just got you pumped, man. It just got you. Even as a kid, you're like, oh, I just want to go out and kick some ass right now. I mean, <laughs> that's just the way, at least to me, it's the, it's the way it made you feel. He, he just had such an energy that, that you were drawn to. And I get like, that's what he was one of my favorites, why I favored him over Hogan. You know, everybody loved Hogan. I was the opposite. I was like, yeah. I want to root for this guy. This guy is the guy that brings the, the, the high energy and the high octane. Not to say he didn't have some good matches, but most of his matches were crap. It was, it was, he was a power wrestler. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he wasn't a technical wrestler. He wasn't a Bret Hart or a Shawn Michaels or anything. He was a straight power wrestler. But an interesting thing about him, I didn't know this until I watched the biography, but he grew up here in Crawfordsville, Indiana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think he was a trained uh, chiropractor, if I'm not mistaken. He was going to school to become a trained chiropractor. Or is that what it was? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, knew, I knew it was something along those lines. But yeah. Yeah, that's pretty wild that he's an Indiana product. Yeah, he, well, they said Crawfordsville in the autobiography. I'm like, Crawford, is there another Crawfordsville? And then when they started showing uh, pictures of the town and the and, and the and the state, and me and my wife was watching, she's like, she's like, oh my god, he said he he because she grew up near Crawfordsville. Oh, okay. he's like he was right near me. I didn't even know that. So you know, it was just kind of a a shock to both of us. All these years, I never ever knew he was he was from uh, from Crawfordsville, Indiana. But yeah, he. He started out, he was a huge bodybuilder. I know he won Mr. Georgia when he moved to uh, Atlanta. Mm. He ended up winning that. He ended up meeting his first wife. Um, he went to, uh, he started wrestling with uh, Sting. I think we talked about this in our Sting retrospective, mm-hmm. uh, where they were the Blade Runners. And yeah. both of them together were just, they were god-awful. They were just, they just <laughs> did power moves. I mean, neither one of them were any good. You, mm-hmm. you could see Sting would, would actually evolve and become better over time. Um, but Warrior never really, never really did. Uh, he went to WCCW and became the Dingo Warrior uh, <laughs> for some reason, which nobody knew what a Dingo Warrior was. But it was no. just his, it was just his look that got him over. You know, he yeah he did he did he did the very basics. He put on the war paint. He put on the the tassels. And I don't know. Do you have any really good earlier memories of the Warrior? Um, I mean, you know, as as we've probably mentioned a million times you know we were both at wrestlemania 8 so that was his big return after his uh i believe first time he got fired um or released or however you want to put it um and so you know seeing him run down to the ring was awesome and as you said uh you know you can probably count on one hand and have fingers left the the good matches that he had um obviously the two the two big ones that stand out to me uh wrestlemania 6 versus hogan uh wrestlemania 7 versus uh randy savage um you know both great matches uh probably one of hogan's best too in that wrestlemania match in toronto um and then you know the story that he told with macho man and the you know the aftermath with you know miss elizabeth coming back and um you know rejoining randy uh it was just it was a really great story and um you know uh it would have been perfect other than warriors saying that you know that match was more important than the title that was on his trunks that was a little bit uh little bit much but um other, <laughs> yeah. otherwise uh yeah i mean you know good memories i mean the guy the guy looked like an action figure come to life um you know just huge bulging muscles and you know like you said tassels around his arms and you know the, the face paint and the bizarre promos and 
Um, I mean, he just, he was different than any other wrestler. And, um, and I would say one of my favorites, um, you know, like you said, the, the match itself was kind of secondary to the, to the show that was the ultimate warrior. Yeah. And I, I think the reason is those two matches, they, they do stand out as being, I would think his two best matches was Randy always liked to script out, script out his matches. Mm-hmm. Ricky Steamboat told a story where the WrestleMania three match was written out by Randy move by move of what they were going to do throughout that entire match. That's the wow. way Randy liked to work. Yeah. And then, you know, Hogan and Warrior had the brilliance of Pat Patterson to go over their match with them about. I think that's why that match did so well and not the abomination we will get eight years later, which I'll, which I'll talk about, <laughs> which is most of the subject of the of this edition of wrestling rubbish. Um, oh, boy. For as good as, <laughs> <laughs> as, good as Warrior, I mean – what you saw on camera was a little bit different behind the scenes with warrior. He, you know, toward 1991 building up to SummerSlam 1991, he just had a huge head. He thought that he was as big as Hogan. Uh, he wanted to be paid the same as Hogan. He wanted the same uh, royalties that Hogan was getting. Uh, he threatened to hold the show up for $500,000. If he didn't get paid, he wasn't going to show up for the day of the show. Uh, McMahon had this motto though, do what you got to do to get, to get it in the ring. So McMahon promised him all these things, but he had no intention of honoring it after it was over. And I remember watching SummerSlam 91. We got it. My mother ordered it on pay-per-view because she wanted to see the wedding between Savage and Elizabeth. So she went ahead and ordered <laughs> SummerSlam. Hey, hey, you know, extra mark for me. So there you I go. watched this match. I watched Warrior chase back uh, Mustafa and Adnan with a chair, and then he never came back out to celebrate with Hogan. When the match was over, as a kid, I thought that was weird. I'm like, where the hell's the warrior? Why isn't he out here celebrating with with Hogan? (laughs) And so justice, of course, we would find out once he got got through the curtain chasing them with that chair, McMahon stopped him and said, "Uh, you're fired. Get the hell out of my building. (laughs) And and (laughs) the little Jesse's at home going, man, warrior's a dick. Yeah. Yeah, because he never came back out. And I'm like, after the match, they just went on to the wedding. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, well, what, what the hell just happened? Here? I'm still upset about that Warrior never came back out to celebrate. And then he never showed back up on television. This is and, uh, and all that stuff. So I, yeah. I had no idea what was going on. I just knew my favorite wrestler didn't come out to celebrate. And I didn't see him again after that. So WrestleMania 8. But, oh. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he got fired. He got fired, well, basically put on a, a suspension for that. He was getting ready and entered into a big program with Jake Roberts. I know that mm-hmm. uh, Jake Roberts had to ask his permission to do the feud. Oh, they had talked about this in Dark Side of the Ring where uh, Vince was like, well, you're finally going to get that championship run. You're going to you know, be making money with the Warrior. But he says, you got to go ask him if it's okay first. And Jake looked at him and was like, you're the effing boss, man. He said, why do I have to ask him if it's okay? <laughs> it's just like it's just the way we got to do these things. So oh, Jake knocked on his on his private dressing room door because Warrior always wanted his own private dressing room. He never wanted he was never wanted to dress with the boys. Once he got that championship title, that just went to his head. Yeah, and I guess he basically told Jake off, saying, "You know, you better not miss any shows because if you do, you're messing with my money. And if you mess my money, mess with my money, I'm going to come after you." And then. Warrior ends up getting fired, and they never do have that program. So Warrior was the one <laughs> that messed with the money. But I mean, <sighs> they talked about that in length in that Dark Side of the Ring episode. But yeah, that was just one of the things Warrior did. And then 
with WrestleMania 8, they decided to bring him back. Interesting about this is everybody around this time thought that Jim Helwig died. And then they yeah. had somebody else in his place because he was noticeably smaller. His hair was shorter. He was wearing a singlet. So he didn't look like 1992 Warrior did not look like 1990 Warrior, but that's because of the steroid scandal that was going on. They didn't mm-hmm. want the wrestlers to look as beefy as, as, as they used to be. I don't know if you remember that or not. Yeah, I remember that. I mean, that, that was always the, you know, I was, I was an elementary kid, you know, so, you know, the speculation was that, you know, he accidentally was killed by one of Jake's snakes and that's why we didn't see him. And then they brought in this new guy to be the warrior. And I mean, that wouldn't actually be done in, until, uh, you know, several years later by WCW with the renegade as an, as another person parading around as a warrior type character. Yeah, but uh, well, so, he, uh, but he yeah, stuck around for a bit, and again, they had promoted Survivor Series '92 to be him and Savage against Razor Ramon and uh, Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he uh, didn't pass his drug test, so the day of the show, I'm again, I'm watching this. Macho Man comes out, no Warrior. Instead, all of a sudden, Mister Perfect's on his team. Mr. Perfect had been Ric Flair's advisor <laughs> for a year, and all of a sudden he's tagging the Savage <clears throat> against Razor Ramon and Ric Flair. And I'm thinking, what the F is going on here? Because, <laughs> you know, you, you don't know. <laughs> That's the second time I'm, like, disappointed. I'm like, man, where's Warrior at? And then you didn't see him again until, until 96. During this time, Warrior, he legally changed his name to Warrior. He started doing a comic book. He came up with a oh, new book called distrucity which i don't even want to get into the meaning of what that word means i guess i guess it's supposed to mean somewhere between the real world and the reality world if you stay true to yourself you can accomplish some bullshit meaning that he he had about it (laughs) But, but jim ross was talking about how him and jim Cornette and vince mcmahon went down to meet warrior to bring him back in 96 and warrior started talking about his comic book and, and, and this trucity and all this stuff. And Jim, Jim Ross was like, you know, that was a waste. That was a time of my life. I'll never get back. So warrior was just again, thinking about himself. So he comes back. I remember he made his re-debut at WrestleMania 12 mm-hmm. and completely destroys triple H in like 30 seconds. Yeah. This was before the curtain call incident. This was before Triple H actually got in trouble with the company. So he was told to go out there and you're going to get squashed by the Warrior in 30 seconds. I'm wondering, you know, Triple H even talked about it later on that how unprofessional Warrior was and, and didn't want to work with anybody and just wanted went on his on his debut, wanted to come out, just a, a ring of fire and just. Destroy yeah. anybody in his path, and Triple H was unfortunately the one that pulled that shortest straw. Of course, he recovered from it, as we all know. But right, it was just it was great to see at the time because it was the presentation of that character. But again, more problems ensued, especially Warrior's dad died. Mm-hmm. His dad never had much to do in his life. He left him when he left the family when he was younger, and and then he died, and mm-hmm. I just hit him pretty hard. And Vince McMahon was like. I, yeah, I just didn't get that. He said Warrior was never close to him. He couldn't care less about him. He said, and then he's going to use that as an excuse to no-show <clears throat> house show events because his dad died. He goes, when, when he wasn't even uh, 
close to him. He goes, that was the straw that broke the camel's back, and that was his last stint with WWE. That's when he was just terminated completely, and they decided that it wasn't going to work. The audience had changed from early 1990 to 1996. It was no longer about big muscle guys like Warrior. Shawn Michaels mm. and Bret Hart were on top of the wrestling world at that point. And yeah. he was never going to bring in, bring in the ratings because I think they brought him back, too, to see if they could combat the ratings that WCW was getting. I think that was one reason they wanted to bring Warrior back in 96 to try to regain that momentum. Mm-hmm. It just didn't work. Yeah, it's not it, – it, WCW had caught fire, and um, I think that was just – there's no there's no uh, universe in which Warrior coming to Raw tips the scales back in, in favor of Raw. Um, and that's that's not a comment on him. It's just – I mean, it was it's a comment on the state of, of the product at that time. I mean, as you said, you know, and, and I, I will always, you know, talk about how much I love Brett and I love Sean and Owen and all those guys that were on the roster then, but – but they just did not have the ability to keep up at that point. Um, and, you know, it, it showed, and, you know, eventually they won out. But, uh, but yeah, I don't think Warrior was going to tip the scales in any, in any stretch of the imagination. No, so he, he was done with WWE. Now, what really gets interesting is <clears throat> back in, in 98, WCW decided to bring in the Warrior. <sighs> I don't know if they wanted to bring him in as – and thinking that he was going to be the second coming of Batman or what, because he would always say, <laughs> tune in next week, same warrior time, same warrior channel. And it was just bringing back Batman <laughs> flashbacks to me. Yeah. I forgot about that part. They would do all kinds of silly stuff too. I, I remember where Hogan was looking into a mirror and warrior was there, but only he could see. Him. Yeah. Now the viewing audience can see, him, but Eric Bischoff's in there with Hogan, but he, for some reason he can't see warrior. It's like, Hogan, who are you talking to? What, what are you talking about? And it's right there. <laughs> it was just so stupid. Well, and, and at Fall Brawl, they, you know, they put a trap door in so he could he could show up in smoke and then uh, kidnap, I think it was uh, Ed Leslie, maybe. And yeah. Then, and then leave. And uh, Bulldog tripped on that door and nearly paralyzed himself. Yeah, and, he broke his back on it. It got him addicted to painkillers. They said that's ultimately probably what led to his death. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's that's exactly where I was going with that. Um, and you know, that's that's another unfortunate cost of doing business with the Warrior. I mean, you know, you, we lose the British Bulldog because of it. And um, you know, maybe not exactly, you know, direct correlation between that, but but you know, it it didn't help. That's for sure. No, it didn't. I mean. <laughs> And it was it was because Nitro was losing steam against Raw. I mean, this was around the time where WWE had really picked up with the Attitude Era. Austin was on top, mm. so they thought bringing in Warrior and doing a a Warrior Hogan rematch eight years later would somehow revitalize their product. Now, a lot of people got to remember their 1990 clash. The reason the match was so good was because they had, like I said, Pat Patterson there. Mm-hmm. to help keep the match cohesive and keep it together and make sure that they were, you know, gripping the crowd. They did not have that in 1998. So by the time we got to Halloween Havoc to witness the classic rematch, it was anything but. I mean, if these two men could have been any more off, they would have to restart the match. <laughs> <laughs> That's how bad this match was. I mean, it was probably one of the worst wrestling matches I'd ever seen. I don't know if you remember it or not, but it, yeah. was, it was horrible. 
Yeah, it was it was awful. Um, and then you know, and and to add on top of it, I mean, it was overbooked as hell. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Hogan's nephew Horace came in and hit Warrior with a chair because the flash paper that he, Hogan was supposed to shoot a fireball at Warrior, and the damn flash paper went up in his face and singed his eyebrows off. <laughs> So they had they had to come up with another ending on the fly, and it was just I mean it was an overbook. They knew they knew that Hogan and Warrior were not going to be able to deliver, and so they overbooked the hell out of it to try to protect themselves, and it it, it just it backfired completely. Uh, yeah, and then, and then because of that mess, you got shorted a great championship match between yeah. Goldberg and DDP, which we talked about in our you know yeah. before. So had that match not gone on, you know, DDP and Goldberg would have got the time. And this probably would have been a successful pay-per-view. Yeah. But because of that, it's considered one of the worst, yep. one of the worst pay-per-views WCW ever did. I mean, it's when it hit that low point, I mean, and then, and then you cut off the main event because you ran out of time. You, that pissed off a lot of people and, you know, you're not going to spend another, I mean, I don't remember what pay-per-views were in that day. But, I mean, we'll just say 50 bucks just because that's what they are now, but. Um, you know, you're not going to spend another 50 bucks to see, you know, the next WCW pay-per-view if they don't deliver on what they promised on the first time. Um, yeah, you know, people that, don't want to get burned again. They're like, well, yeah. they burned us this time. Well, how, what's to say they won't do it again? Yeah. I mean, they, they took your money. They didn't show you what they promised. And then, you know, the following night on, on Nitro, they gave away the match for free. And, <clears throat> you know, and that could have been, you know, I, I'm not going to say there. There's never one thing that brings down a company like WCW, but but that that definitely didn't help. Um, you know, that's a that's a PR nightmare, um, and it's not something that's easily you know, it's not easy to gain back your trust with, with the consumer after or something like that. But um, I mean, I think and, and you know, and I think the hokey shit was really a crutch uh, for a lot of a lot of things with Warrior. Like uh, you know, his one of his first big feuds was with Papa Shango. And he uh, puked out like green foam or like some kind of weird, weirdly it was colored kind of stuff that he had in his mouth. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and then it, a lot of it was just you know coming up with these hokey ways to make Warrior entertaining, and um, you know, unfortunately, it led to a lot of wrestling rubbish. Yeah, and, and and that's the that's the whole point of the episode is like it was more about the presentation of, of the character and the way they presented him more than it was about his wrestling ability or even some of the stuff he tried to do. I mean, yeah, it, it goes back to our point of what we said uh, before we took the break where some of these guys get a little bit too much creative freedom. And mm-hmm. I think that's what was happening with the warrior. I think he got a little too much creative freedom and they didn't rein him in when, when they probably yeah. should have on a lot of things. Yeah, especially, you know, in that WCW run, I, I I don't know the specifics of it, but I imagine he had a considerable degree of uh, creative control, you know, based on the fact that, yeah, we're, we're basically bringing you in to lose to Hogan, but you can do whatever you want to build up the match. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the impression that I get, and then that's when you get, you know, he's abducting Ed Leslie and, you know, holding him in bondage positions and, um, you know, the, the mirrors, the stupid mirror stuff and the smoke and, you know, it just – anything to make himself interesting. And then, you know, and that wasn't even what warrior was known as. I mean, he was this high energy guy. He wasn't, you know, smoke and mirrors undertaker type of guy. And, um, you know, I think it completely missed the mark, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's unfortunate, but it, it's, it is what, what, what happened with him. And, 
you know, fortunately, I think, you know, I'm glad that he got to, you know, end his, his career and his, his life on, you know, better terms and, um, you know, better, uh, better relationship to, uh, you know, the fans and, and to the people around him. Um, I know the warrior award initially was supposed to be for, you know, people that work behind the scenes in WWE. That was, that was kind of his idea, but, um, they've kind of morphed it into something that's more charitable and more, um, more widely recognized. But, uh, but I think, you know, I think he left on, left this earth and left the business on, uh, you know, fairly good terms. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I mean, after, after the whole, he appeared the next night on Nitro after Halloween Havoc, but it, they didn't really have anything else for him. They knew this thing wasn't going to catch fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, it was over and done with. So, so he got released shortly after that. And then he went through a dark time. You know, I, I think his most famous speech was at the university of Connecticut in 2005, when he was talking about how yeah. <clears throat> you want equality, but you can't put homosexuals on the same stage as heterosexuals and, and expect them to be equal. And somebody was asked, somebody in the audience says, what's wrong with homosexuality? And he said, queering doesn't make the world work. And it just turned into a just chaos after that. And, yeah. you know, they, they did touch on that. They touched on that in Dark Side of the Ring, and they touched on that in the biography about the mistakes that he had made. And and then when it, you know, the self-destruction of the Ultimate Warrior DVD came out. I don't know if you remember that DVD or not. Oh, my God, I remember that. I had that DVD. I um, do, too. I still uh, have it. I was going to say, uh, I think we watched it together one time, too. But, uh, oh, my God, that was a hit job. Of all hit jobs, they um, were trying to distance them. What they, what yeah. that came around at the round, uh, the, uh, right around the time of that speech, mm-hmm. and because of all the negative publicity Warrior was getting, they wanted to distance themselves. So mm-hmm. they put out this DVD to say, "Hey, he was, he was always been a loose cannon." And uh, yeah, it was, it wasn't a documentary as much as, like you said, it, it was a hit piece. I mean, they didn't have one, one good thing to say about him, and I know that it affected him when, when he when he finally watched it. Um, Dana Warrior said in that biography, it just broke a part of him that she was never, never able to fix because, you know, it, it, it completely depressed him. Yeah, I mean, there's some, there's some really like funny like uh, stuff from Christian and Chris Jericho where they were doing imitations, and like I thought that part was fun, and I thought it was, you know, they, you know, they were wrestling fans. Uh, you know, Christian and Edge were at WrestleMania uh, six in Toronto. Um, so I thought that was fun, but the rest of it was just, uh, you know, look how stupid Warrior is. He came out in a hat, like, and it, yeah. it was, it, it's like, it, it was just, you know, they just beat you over the head with how much of an idiot and an, and, and an ass and all the things that he, you know, he was, and it, it was disgusting. Um, you know, it's, I haven't seen WWE put out anything else, you know, even closely resembling that kind of you know, just one-sided garbage, and um, it was really a low point in the uh, WWE films or WWE uh, videotape or uh, DVDs, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, and, and he had said, you know, I know he said that he was happy that Bobby Heenan got cancer. From what I understand, he did not like Bobby Heenan. Him and Bobby Heenan did not have a good relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's not something he should have said. No. But that was a you know a personal thing where he probably felt justified in saying that because of how much he just did not like the man. Um, yeah. But th- but they did touch on the fact that he finally did accept the Hall of Fame induction and that he made amends with people. I know that Jake Roberts talked about at the Hall of Fame because they were inducted in the same class. They mm-hmm. had not they had not seen each other across paths since 
92 when 91 when the Warriors fired the first time. Uh-huh. But, but Jake was re- Jake said he had a roll of quarters in his hand, and he was ready to knock him out when he saw him. Damn, because of how much money <laughs> Warrior cost him. Jeez. So he said he was waiting. He said he's waiting and waiting, and he's he's just fuming the whole time. Uh-huh. And he said Warrior tapped him on the shoulder. Jake turned around, and Warrior said, "Please just let me do this." He goes, "I need to apologize to you for what I said about you and your family." He goes, "That's who I was then. That's not who I am. I know I cost us a lot of money." He said, "I just, I just humbly apologize, and if it means anything to you at all, I'm sorry." And Jake was like, "That just disarmed me." When, yeah. when, he, when he did that, he said that just completely changed my whole outlook on everything. The fact that he recognized what he did was wrong. Yeah, um, they had some cool uh, behind-the-scenes stuff from uh, the Hall of Fame, and uh, it's it's nice to see that you know he got to leave on on those terms. And, um, you know, it was obviously, you know, he gave a great speech the next night on Raw. And then, um, you know, he passed away the following day, um, which I, I didn't realize this. But, um, you know, Warrior died. He was uh, 54. Yeah. yeah, he's 54. He, he's 54. His father died at age 57 and his grandfather died at age 52. So there might have been more than just steroids to that. I mean, just me speculating here, but it sounds like. You know, they have some uh, family uh, hereditary issues for with their hearts or something. Because, um, I mean, pe- normal people don't die at that, you know, just drop dead at that age. And to have three, you know, three men in that family do that is... Uh, three generations, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty uh, pretty unheard of. Um, so, um, might be something, you know, to look out for and, you know, uh, but like you said, you know, there was a lot of rubbish in, in, uh, in his wrestling career and... Uh, um, I'm glad that we got to talk about it. Jesse. Did you have anything else you want to add to it? No, no. I just, um, <clears throat> you know, it was it was it was fun to talk about. Actually, what I wanted to talk about with the next wrestling rubbish, um, I wanted to clear it with you first so you can kind of d- do a little uh, digging on it. Was uh, I think the next one we'll talk about Katie Vick. Oh God, no! <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to prepare you for that now because <laughs> I have quite well, a bit to say on that. Well, we'll uh, we'll be uh, breaking our ban on the F word, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, that's fine. Uh, you know, we'll obviously, uh, as I said, you know, after after today's episode, tune in and and uh, for a teaser for what's coming up next, and then um, obviously later on down the line here, we'll have uh, we'll have a wrestling rubbish with Katie Vick and another edition of the five that I will make up and put in no specific order because that's who I am and that's what I do. So. Yeah. For people, for people that, that want to listen to our next show, want to know who Katie Vick is, just Google it. And then you'll know what we want to talk about. And especially tune in if you want to hear our perspectives on it, because I'm sure we'll have quite a bit to say on uh, on this very, very crappy time and, and, and WWE. Uh, yeah. I mean, we could do the whole reign of H, um, you know, and I love triple H, but, that there was a whole time there in, in the 2000s where he was just unbearable and yeah. <laughs> that was probably the height of it um but uh but yeah we'll talk about that you know that's a that's another time or another uh show for another day and um you know before i send it over to you to tell everybody good night i say uh you know, catch us next week same turnbuckle post time same turnbuckle <laughs> post channel now we're the second the coming of batman <laughs> for all the distrusticity and <laughs> and you'll get no simpy from us. 
That's right. <laughs> to bring Scott Steiner into it as well. So Jesse, uh, I'll let you do our outro, and uh, we'll we'll see you all next time on the Turnbuckle Post. All right, everybody, uh, be kind, be safe, uh, and we hope to <clears throat> hope you all tune in for the next episode. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>